0: Hello and welcome to CAA Conversations. I'm here with Ray Yeager and Catherine Barnes. Ray Yeager is an Associate Professor of Art at the University of Charleston in Charleston, West Virginia. He teaches traditional art courses such as drawing, painting, design, and several innovative courses that infuse art-based practices and creativity into disciplines such as business and STEM subjects. Currently, Catherine's weeks are filled with teaching Art Appreciation, Art History 1 and 2, and 2D Design at various Columbia College campuses as an adjunct professor. And on the weekends, she enjoys exploring new places by taking spontaneous road trips. And today, these two will be discussing teaching Intro to Art or Art Appreciation, non-majors. So without further ado, I'm going to hand the conversation off to these two. Thank you, Ellen, for inviting us. Yes,
1: Uh, thank you for asking us to come.
2: Catherine, how do you
0: handle the
2: anxiety that some of your students come in? They're non-art majors. They're terrified. They're terrified to come in. They're made to take this course. How do you handle that? How do you somehow assuage some of that for them?
1: Well, um, I, yeah, I agree. I've noticed that same kind of anxiety, especially with some of my non-traditional students in the sense that they um, haven't been in school for 20 years. So it's, it's not even necessarily even that it's art sometimes, it's just school in general. Um, I do a lot of hands-on activities um, to show them that we're all kind of at the same level that that we're not they're not entering in a classroom where there's these really expertise artists and they can only draw stick figures I get a lot of well I can just draw I can only draw stick figures I don't know anything about art I can't do this
2: yeah that seems to be one of the only things our students are willing to admit they can't do <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing I found that teaching at a small liberal arts college a lot of my courses are you know the requirement so they come in as this is required I have to take it because I'm required to do this get right. me to Yes, and I do the same thing collaboration is how I find it and teaming them up with some art majors or other ones and letting them work together kind of do this modeling behavior I think helps them feel a little better too so it's not like us versus them when they come in and the first day I go through it and explain to them this is a course we all start off at different stages everything is staggered some people have a lot of talent that's been developed over years and years and years some don't And I walk them through that first day of saying, feel comfortable with doing this, you're gonna be graded on your own ability and your own progress. And that sort of helps showing them that they're not graded against the best person in class and they feel like, oh my God, I have to compare myself to them every critique. So that's another thing I do, is just starting it up at the beginning and saying, this is how it's gonna go. Here's the grading procedure. Here's how we're handling things. And we all started at different levels and we'll move on. And then having them pair up with people.
1: Right, so in your classes, do you actually have art students? My campus, um, they, the main campus I teach at is in Jefferson city. So it's a satellite campus and it's separate from the main campus where the art department is. So not, I don't have a single, um, art student. Usually I can convert at least two of them to the art side, but, um, but usually I start off with zero art students and they all are there for, you know, it being required for their made, uh, for, a humanities class.
2: It depends. Um, in my art classes, I have to share it. So I have art majors as well as non-art majors. Those are a little more mixed. I do teach some, as we mentioned, such as uh, art and medicine, which is a unique course that that's all non-art majors. And that's made for pre-med. They're all on the pre-med track. So that one is, they're coming in, they're terrified because they've been successful so far by studying and working hard in their way. And then all of a sudden, I have to come into my course that. You can't just study five hours (laughs) to get some of the skill or just cram in and get a paper done. So that terrifies them a little bit. So you have a mixture of both non-art and purely uh, art classes.
1: So um, in your daily practice, um, you're talking about critiques and things like that. So do you actually have like art, like like almost like a drawing class where you have an art project that they work on and then they critique it? Is that how you do your art appreciation class?
2: Yeah, my art appreciation class, I've actually made, um, to include more projects, hands-on, as well as the typical going over survey, I actually break my art appreciation up into themes. So it's not seen as a history course necessarily to them. You know, they're typically going from you know, where we start to where we end. So what I've done is broken it all up into themes so they can figure out that art can go over time. And they seem to be more comfortable that way. And then I throw a project in, so they get hands-on experience what it's like being an artist and always tell them I have a few that always complain about well I took this course so I wouldn't have to do a studio course and I go well one of the best things I can do is teach you what it's like to be in that creative process and these are the things artists go through and practical said I can teach you and talk about stuff but here's the one way to do it so I break it up that way and again a lot of group work that seems to help a lot instead of them feeling alone
1: right right um I I do it um, a little, I do it probably more along with the, the textbook, uh, where they have, I, what textbook are you using actually?
2: Uh, I abandoned textbooks.
1: <laughs> ah, there you go. That's nice. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I kind of veer off of mine, but, um, I think we're required to have a textbook for my understanding. But, um, what I, I've, one assignment I've created for my students is a sketchbook where, and they have to do, the assignments kind of help them win the turns, but they do these um, smaller like little hands on assignments uh, where they have to collect artwork or they make drawings or and they get a little scared at the idea when they first start Where oh, my God, I have to draw. But it, usually I make it where it doesn't matter what. It, Looks like in the end. It's just a matter of them experiencing the process, kind of like what you're saying, kind of seeing what a drawing, how a drawing looks different or feels different compared to, say, a sculpture or, you know, a print or something like that. So,
2: yeah, I think that makes uh, them feel much more comfortable. And again, they experience what it's like. You know, I can tell you what an orange tastes like, but unless you can taste one, that's the true experience. So, always use that idea. One of my projects I do is uh, I try to relate it back to, say, for the art appreciation course, is uh, designing a religious or spiritual structure when we're starting to talk about spirituality uh, within art. And so we show all the different art forms and different architecture from around the world and through time, but said, now they have to make up their own though. So they have to research different uh, religions and how those beliefs and tenets were basically put into stone or put into the artwork. And then they have to design their own. So they can design their own religion and then they have to create their own structure. And oh, so
1: that's really interesting. Assignment. I like that one.
2: So, those are some of the things that I try to do to um, integrate it a little more in what they're covering. Uh, they'll do a self identity. I like that better than self portrait because then I get selfies all the time. <laughs> but if I yes. self identity, they can examine that or uh, race, clan, uh, tribal, things such as that where they can find unique things amongst themselves. Um, so, those are the type of projects that I do. And I make it. Low risk and low tech for them. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, it's not necessarily the outcome that I'm worried about. It's the process, and so making it low risk for them it gets them over that hurdle of failure all the time. That they feel like, oh, I'm going to fail this if I don't do so well.
1: Right, right. And that's how that's what I do like about my sketchbooks is um, my my classes are eight weeks, um, so we only meet well one course only meets one day a week and then for eight times and then the other one meets twice a week so <clears throat> so some projects have to be careful about not giving them you know overloading them with stuff so the sketchbook can kind of be overwhelming for them sometimes but uh what I like about it is that you know I have um I also have like debates on this sketchbook and they can share I have them also posted online where they have like a d2l um Thread thing that they can share ideas like we have uh, debates over uh, censorship or you know um, you know funding because that's like in the news right now and so they can kind of express their thoughts about it and and see now that they're learning about the art how important it might be and then they're like wait a second I I don't like this but I do want this I I want it to both happen and then they're like wait a second that that can't be. And so um, I try to include some of the things that they're seeing in the news or things that they're like getting their hands. Because I think a lot of them don't realize, because they come in like, oh, art is this pretty painting on a wall. And, you know, it's pointless. Like, why do I have to take this class? Why is it a requirement? And so with the sketchbook, with some of our discussions, I try to let them see how Art is actually around them all the time. That they're actually using it or discussing it without even maybe realizing, like in advertisements or, um, you know, their T-shirts. You know, they they pick out their clothes. They have aesthetics. So um, I try to incorporate some of those aspects in there too.
2: And I try to do that with them as well. Um- I mean, I give my a little pep talk some I'm <laughs> coach sometimes and telling them, you're some of the most sophisticated visual learners and uh, consumers in the world, probably in history, because you're bombarded with almost three, 500 images a day. Yes. Small. And I say, so you have this in you. It is not something you, this is foreign to you. You have been given to this, whether you know it or not, has been given to you every day. So that helps them too. And like I said, a lot of the time it's just getting them over that fear that they're going to do something. I think that's the biggest thing is the fear.
1: Yes. Yes. I agree. And you know what I love, you know, my background is in painting and, and I, uh, do a lot of web design and stuff. And so, you know, I, of course want to teach those classes. And, and when I started, um, when I moved out here, there's, you know, not a lot of schools around me. So I had to teach, I teach a lot of art history and art appreciation. And what I end up having a lot, Finding a love for art, teaching art appreciation is is kind of them finding, getting over that fear, and you know, usually during the class, you know, they're figuring it all out and you know, getting over that fear. But it's a year afterwards. I get students who go on a family vacation. I my emails get bombarded with, oh look, I saw the painting on you know where we talked about, or in this other class we talked about this and, and that was in our class in art, and and so it's really cool to hear them after the fact you know a year later come back to me and that they're finding these things out and about in their daily life or on a tv show that they love and it and it gets you know there's a painting in the back i don't know they come up with all these different ways they find art and i'm just i love that i love that they uh, you know it becomes part of their life and they start recognizing it more
2: and that's that's for me too i actually tell them at the beginning of class of uh... What the real outcome is. I go go through the outcomes but I tell them what is my real outcome is exactly what you explained, which is my hope is that one day when you go on a vacation later in your life that you will actually go let me go to the Museum of Modern Art as well as all these other places or if you're with friends or family you'll actually go to a gallery opening just because you want to instead of being forced to and it said those are little things or you see something on Jeopardy and you can answer a question or there's something in a game or there's a commercial that's using something and you can recognize that that's the real thing. That's the real goal is to show you how art's around and everywhere and you gain this small appreciation for it. So yeah, well, that's, that's always the reason why we do it or at least I feel that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. My, my favorite story is this um, older gentleman who was not very happy being there for a good chunk of the class. (laughs) And it was about six months later, and I guess he went to a restaurant and the artwork, I guess he said that he just sat down and he goes, it just kept bothering me. And he goes, I totally had this huge critique with my wife about this artwork. And she just looked over at me and said, who are you? (laughs) And I was like, great, I won, like you, I got to you. (laughs) So I
2: was like, yay. And I, think that's the, and I think that's the largest goal or the, the most important goal that we're trying to get is to, like you said, show them that this is all around them, that this is part of them. It's part of their everyday life. They just don't realize it. You know, I always talk about I'm usually jealous of musicians because musicians with just a couple of notes or a couple of chords can elicit such an emotion from you. Individual yeah. arts are, are slower. You know, you can get something from them, but it's a slower type of digestion. You know, I've had emotional things in front of paintings and sculptures and artworks before. Um, and it just showed them. I said, but you have to get sensitive to that. I said, music is easier to get that. Or even spoken word is easier to pull that out of you. So sometimes the visual takes a little while. Um, and a lot of it is just because you haven't associated imagery with these emotions or images with these type of feelings. Because a lot of times it's for advertising or just other kind of
0: right, uses right. that are
2: not necessarily about eliciting emotion or meaning. Like I said, my biggest thing for them is to just welcome them into it, meet them halfway. That's the other thing I do. I try to understand where they come from, and I—that's really sort of the first day of class—is talking about it, what they would like from the class. You know, I get over the first part. Yes, I know you want a grade. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, they want an A, and and I—I I don't know if you run into this, but I get the. Oh, arts. I took this class because one, it was a requirement, and they can also take music appreciation or some other electives, but they're like, but well, you know, this is going to be an easy A because it's art. And I'm like, uh huh, sure. And then <laughs> they get into it and they're like, this is not easy. And I'm like, why? I mean, they still love it. I mean, they, you know, I get excited and sometimes I have to bring my level down a little bit because I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this. Or, you know, and then they, I mean, it helps them get excited or that it's okay to get excited, but. Um, it is it, not a, I don't make my class an easy A, so um, some of them are a little taken back by that sometimes, I think. With my
2: classes that are purely non-art majors, like I said, that art and medicine, I also do uh, creativity and innovation in art and business. That's another one. They're all non-art majors. That's the biggest thing is trying to get them over this idea that, oh, this is the easy one, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So this won't take much at all. And then they realize that there's a lot more involved in this. And, again, walking them through the process, again, getting them through that. A lot of things I try to do is learn to make our students now because of different training through high school things. They're task-oriented, and mm-hmm. they want a checklist, and they want it. So I've, over the last couple of years, I've started to design my courses that, sorry, my projects that follow that. It seems to help them instead of having something, okay, go draw this, go draw if I can take them through a small task-oriented thing where they have check marks, it makes them feel comfortable each time they can check something off. I, it's almost like teaching them how to walk. It's yeah,
1: I, I would agree. I we have um, another aspect of my course that I'm really big on, um, which I, you might have noticed this too, and I'm sure teachers in all fields probably have noticed this. But one thing I have noticed is that when I asked the student, "Okay, describe this painting," you know, we've been learning, you know, the different ways of describing, like color they've been learning their terms like okay describe it and they just look at me like they don't have they want me to give them a starting point or answer I'm like okay what do you see and sometimes they're scared of giving the wrong answer and I'm like there isn't you know you you can tell me what color it is you know you see red you see blue what is that that's a dog like this is you know it's it almost sounds elementary but it's I think they've got this fear of um of being able to articulate what they already know. And so one thing I try to do a lot in my class is, you know, just, we just sit down and describe our like, What do you think it's saying? What, um, um, what do you see, you know, and let them be okay with giving a wrong answer and just speaking and the sketchbook does that a lot i make them write out and it's not they're like one page like little paragraphs but they have to write what they see that they to describe a lot or interpret or how they feel about you know just all these kind of random approaches just to get them to articulate their thoughts um i i find students kind of struggle with that a little
2: and they do i do very similar things of having small vocabulary tests or include vocabulary words for them to use but just to explain, like the first critique is really a learning experience for them. And I do the same thing. I go, well, what do you see? Uh, in art appreciation, I use a project where I ask them to pick a, any kind of painting or any, sorry, any kind of artwork. And mm-hmm. then I give them five strategies just to show them that there's not one way to interpret a piece. And so a lot of it's formal analysis, which is very easy to do. They get to learn their vocabulary as well, you know, psychological or uh, psychoanalytical, a feminist perspective, as well as um, just a personal interpretation. And they can go through all these different things and they have to examine them through these five things and present them. And I think that also helps because it shows them there's not one answer. And, I, and I, For me, I found you have to be very careful with the way you respond to them and mm-hmm. handle the class, especially in the beginning, because you can have somebody that comes and finally opens up, but if somebody says the wrong thing, all of a sudden they shut down and it will take weeks and weeks and weeks to get them to open up again
1: right right
2: for the class about that too is that we're all in this we're all learning especially in the beginning is learning how to be very receptive and very respectful of everybody and Mm -hmm. that seems to help as well
1: yeah my conversation the i would say the most i have two debates in my class um that tend to go over really well and one is you know should we um Take t- take artwork out of tombs, like, especially when we talk about this, is more my art history class too. But um, when we take, when we're looking at artwork from, you know, Mycenaean or say um, from the Egyptian tombs, like, you know, what does that mean in the sense of faith and ancient faith, but also like, respecting cultures, respecting, like, should we take the artwork out? Should we preserve it? Should we leave it alone, you know? And I kind of just throw a handful of questions out at them for them to consider, and then they kind of discuss it. But, you know, it can get kind of heated sometimes, so I always have to let them know, like, we all have different opinions, and it's not necessarily wrong if someone thinks something differently from you, so. It allows them to learn how to handle that as well, because as the
2: critiques get further and further along, I allow more and more debate. and once we've established that structure in the beginning now they're allowed as they go on to become more comfortable with each other and they can start it's kind of like a family or friends you know if you've been friends long enough you can start to tell people different things yeah sort of the same sort of thing there Uh, but what you were talking about that's one reason why i went to a thematic approach to showing art history was to compare all the different ones um you know from ancient all the way to contemporary and everyone in between and around the world and so that gives them I thought, another perspective from everywhere. So instead of just seeing Renaissance painting or the icons within just a small, narrow uh, context, they can see how they relate to something that was done in Africa or see something I was done in Australia. And combining all those things together to have a wide, that was another way I tried to show them the different perspectives and how there's not just one answer to this. And that really livened the debate up too where they could make those connections. The hardest thing is to make them connect dots. Mm. That's the hardest thing is... If they can even remember what we went over last week to connect to the next week (laughs) would be great, too.
1: Yeah, it's like as soon as you take a test or a chapter, like, oh, well, we're done with that. And I'm like, no, 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 especially in my art history classes, um, you know, or even my design classes, you know, I, I try to get them to see that. But, yeah, it's just like, okay, do you see a trend? Do you see things that are and I try to pose those in some of their homework or, you know, discussions like. Or, hey, does this look familiar to you guys? Or, um, because I I feel like, yeah, like what you're saying, as soon as that that they turn that page, that previous page has nothing to do with anything else. And it's like, no, no, this is still around. We're still using it today. And I try to show them images, even my ancient art history class, I pull up images of contemporary artists and I'm like, see how much, even though this was thousands of years ago, these icons and ways of communicating are still relevant. So,
2: yeah, I think the connection thing goes back to what I've just learned, which is the task oriented thing. Again, as soon as they get, you know, task three done, that's it. I go to task four Mm -hmm. and they don't think there's connections between it. They're just taught to keep going and keep going. So to help them find connections, I think that helps them in all their other classes too. We may be the only courses that teach that (laughs) trying to find connections between all these desperate things and finding patterns within them. So that may be another idea. But that's what I play with with them, is always looking for connections, always. And I'll have that during the lecture either. it so what does this remind us of? You know, what other artwork do we go over? So every now and again, I'll have like a little pop thing. It's really not a pop quiz. It's just, can you make a connection and have them discuss, do you see that? And sometimes I'll even pull the old lecture up and go, see, remember this one? Oh yeah, 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 that's right. It's related to the shop's fountain. Yeah, very good. And then through the lecture, I sprinkle or pepper these through there to help them start to see connections, I so think that's, that's
1: awesome. helpful too. Um, something else I've been doing in my more of my art history class is I've been incorporating more difficult reading. I don't know if you if you do that in your art appreciation class, but I try to throw in an outside reading that's more like a article, article uh journal article, and I feel like students are blown away by that level. And like I said, my school is very non-traditional. A lot of my students, um, you know, they're not coming right out of high school. Um, they haven't been in school for many years or they've gotten their GED or they're, um, in the military and, and they're coming back into school. Um, but I have found that many of them have been almost shocked by that. It's, it's so much different than reading, say a quick blurb on a website and um, and so I try to get them to find connections there, too, that um, there is a discussion out there or how to relate this reading to back to this visual artwork, like the context of the history to the actual making of it. So And when I said I abandoned textbooks,
2: that's one reason <laughs> why I did it. I had so many resources outside that I eventually, because of our LMS, you know, online, you're able to put everything in there, almost like a small textbook, where you used to have mm-hmm. to have it on reserve in the library and all that. That's how old I am, <laughs> making a- <laughs> it on reserve in the library. Uh, here, I can just put it all in the course. And so that's why I found it was easier for me just to use my resources and allow them to have, again, accompanying, uh, accommodating different learning styles as well, having them do videos, having the more in-depth reading, have the short blurb, have the things so... I can actually tailor what I'm doing in those classes with some of the resources from online. And they like it too, because they don't have to go buy a textbook, which they probably wouldn't have done anyway.
1: (laughs) Right, you know, an art textbook is so expensive. Um, I think that almost deters a lot of people from taking the class. But like I said, I don't don't think I have control at at my college um, because it's a satellite campus. We have over 200 campuses around the country that they want it all to be very consistent. Um, and so I think you have to use the textbook in, in some format. I I yeah. believe.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. that's one of the advantages I have of being <laughs> a pretty you study. studying. Somebody else textbooks.
1: But um one thing I I do like the um D2 l um and, and especially because I teach eight week courses. So I only see them um a total as it's, it's not very many hours at all. And so in, you know, in class, to do a lot. I feel like once I, if I do a project with them and give them a little bit, we're done, you know, and I don't, you know, and then that's it. And we're already in week six, and it's just like, whoo, it goes by so fast. But the online um, aspect, I, I really enjoy because I feel like I can add extra videos. I can have them discuss or share. Um, there's a lot of more sharing I can do on, on the thread where they can go collect art and, find things that they, or find connections between things and what they find they can share or, uh, and then discuss with each other that's maybe not so much uh, in front of everybody. Um, And it has a lot more visual aspect I feel like online too, where they're so used to being on Pinterest and doing all those kind of things online that I feel like it's something that they already feel comfortable with, that they, I've noticed they start to share a lot more um, visually. And, and some of those discussion threads too.
2: I agree with you, they actually do share a lot more in depth about what they're experiencing and what they're seeing and sharing. Um, almost as if the Facebook page or your Pinterest page or something that they can just throw up, go, hey, I found this and look at this image. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I get disappointed because I'm like, y'all are more interactive online than you are in class.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> but I think it's a comfort zone and that anonymity of it because you're still behind a keyboard right you don't just speak up in class and have to hear your voice and you have to hear your own voice say those things you can just (laughs) (laughs) so I think that's part of it too but yeah my online courses they share a lot more than they do in class and I try to do all the little you know things that you're supposed to do projects helping people try to communicate with each other but I agree the online environment can be a lot more stimulating for them than actually in class
0: well this is fantastic I'm going to interject right here and Thank you both so much for this really fascinating conversation that I think applies to a lot of CAA's membership and doesn't necessarily get a lot of attention, even though Art Appreciation is definitely one of our workhorse courses at every institution. So thank you both. Oh, thank you. Thank you,
1: Ellen.